Hey, hey, Accelerant fans. Who doesn't like a bonus anything? Well, you are getting a bonus episode today from the Accelerant. We had an Accelerate roundtable in February that just knocked our socks off. So we wanted to give little bits to you in case you missed it. In the roundtable, Curtis Dawson from the YMCA of Southern Arizona, Todd Rockoff from the Tucson JCC, and Teresa Johnson from the YMCA of Pikes Peak region discussed a brighter future ahead. If you want the full details after listening to this episode, you can get the full recording on our website. And how about you get to meet Ron Lamb for the first time on Accelerant? If I'm being honest, I did a terrible job of introducing him during the interview, but I think you will still enjoy it. Ron has a long career in technology, a beautiful heart for nonprofits, and a persistence to his of his own health and of others. I hope you leave with a little bit more hope from this bonus episode. If you wait until better arrives, you'll miss the moment. What I mean by that is if you think about your marketing efforts, your outreach, whether it's trying to win back your members who you've lost, whether it's trying to get members to switch from on hold to active, whether it's what we're doing from donations, all of those things. If you wait to put in the proper practices, tools, and processes until things are better, you'll miss the window of opportunity. Accelerant, a substance used to aid the spread of fire, accelerating or causing acceleration. This is an Accelerant bonus episode. Welcome to a special episode of The Accelerant. Today I'm joined by Ron Lamb, the CEO of Daxco, and we are going to be covering a great webcast that we had several weeks ago and wanted to share some of it with you. Ron, welcome to the show. Thank you, Saranda. So this is the first time we have got to meet you, at least via The Accelerant. Would you mind a little bit of a background and what is your Y or J story? Yeah, I grew up in the Flint, Michigan area, so I learned how to swim and all those things at a YMCA. My family was a proud member, and then as my life unfolded, and I got married, I uh, had kids. My kids learned how to swim at the Y, I volunteered at the Y, I was, did fundraisers for the Y, and coached teams for the Y, and everything from when our kids were tiny tots. And I can still remember in the gym with a soccer ball and they all chasing around like a magnet. And then they graduated to baseball and softball and outdoor soccer and all those things. But the why has been a, a very important part of my life. And I'm just really humbled to be able to give back and help in some way. That's great. And, and even now, I know you actually serve on the board of a Y now after growing up in the Y. Yeah, it's kind of come full circle. I'm, I'm proud to say that I'm one of the board of directors at the uh, Pikes Peak YMCA. So I work with Boyd Williams and that great team. And now trying to help them navigate this whole uh, COVID mess, as well as uh, serve as the CEO of Daxco and try to have us build better, faster solutions to help everybody improve their productivity and efficiency. Perfect. And that leads us to our topic for today. A couple of weeks ago, you actually hosted a panel of YMCA's and JCC's talking through how they've navigated, to use your words, this COVID mess and, and how the their organizations have evolved over the past year and how they see it moving forward. So what I'd love for us to do is actually go through a couple of clips just to hear what some of these people have shared with us and then 
talk through how that impacts you, how we've seen it play out in the market, and then also with Daxco. We lost around 40% of our membership. And so revenue got hit extremely hard. Programming, all pretty much all programming stopped. The only programming that we were running was childcare. And that was hit and mess depending on the school districts. In Colorado Springs, we have multiple different school districts. So we can have, I think, probably around 10 different school districts that have 10 different rules about how they're going to either let kids go to school or not. And so for us, it was really adjusting and trying to be there for childcare as much as possible. The other thing too, we had to let go about 50% of our staff. And I think Yes, it was hard losing the revenue. Yes, it was hard not running program. But I think one of the most heartfelt things was having to cut staff and then to go through your staff list and go, who stays? Who do you need to let go? What else can this person take on? And so you literally were, were just going through that. And I think that was probably, like I said, the hardest part for the leadership team to do, especially when no one knew what this was going to be like. And so we definitely started assessing, okay, what are our priorities? who are our priorities, obviously our seniors flushed to the top um, of the staff that we had left. We quickly focused on three areas was our seniors, our childcare, and our partnerships, because we knew that in Colorado Springs, we have a lot of nonprofits. And so there's a lot of partners out there that are doing really good work. So we didn't want our donors to forget about us. And we really wanted to make sure that we were communicating at this time, the why really needs donations more than anything. So we strategically started working with partners outside of our organization. So then we could in marketing and PR and communication, start putting those good stories out into the community, which then led to donations coming in and saying, you guys are doing so much work, you know, with other partners. So we delivered food. A lot of what we did with the seniors is we made almost 8,000 phone calls. We did food deliveries. We had staff that we were still, they weren't working. So what we used them for was they started uh, making the phone calls to the seniors. They started picking up prescriptions and taking them to the seniors and they started delivering the meals. And so it's all of those little bitty pieces that allowed us to really keep telling our story in the community. And then we really focused hard on the dues to donations. We had members that we had between, I want to say, middle of March to end of December, $188,000 of dues that went to donations. And so it's those kinds of little things that we try to focus on because it, you know, it wasn't a good story really for anybody, but we knew that by telling our story in a very creative way as much as possible, it was going to make a difference and make an impact. And we still are receiving donations uh, from members. And we had about 30% of the donations that came in had never given to us before. And so that was significant. That was one take from Teresa, how they were impacted. How else have you seen the market impacted? Yeah, we look at from a macro uh, standpoint, I think the best way or the easiest way to sort through the data that we constantly are analyzing is based on a continuum of metro to rural. Our metro uh, Ys and Js are typically down 50% plus or minus 10. Why is that? People are not going to work in the metro area, so they're not using the facilities and many of those people have put their memberships on hold or even canceled. In our rural Ys, so the more rural, we've seen that it decreases only about 20%. Again, plus or minus probably 5 and why is that? It's because that J or that Y are in a community and, and we our rural communities may not have been hit by COVID as much. So there's that dynamic. 
The other dynamic that's really important is state or regional impacts. Uh, we have seen different state governments, different regional governments, like in California, it was a total shelter at home for many months. Other states, maybe in a Florida or something in the Midwest, where they remained open, or maybe they only went through one shutdown, we've seen those Ys and Js bounce back faster. But now as, we, as we're going into the spring uh, and summer months, we suspect everybody will be open, we'll be bouncing back. And aggregate across the entire health and wellness sphere, there's about, we, we think about 6 million, maybe 7 million people who have canceled whatever membership or wherever they choose to get their physical fitness and mental well-being. Some of it has been economics, some of it has been other reasons. So there's a lot of folks out there that if we can put uh, aggressive CRM and marketing after them, we can win them back. I, I think it would be a mistake to just assume if somebody was a member of your facility that they're going to axiomatically just join you again. I think actually there's going to be quite a bit of shopping and thinking and comparing. So it's really important we get our message out there. We talk about our mission, our purpose, why it's important to be a part of a J or a Y. We just shouldn't take anything for granted right now. I think we need a full core press. That's definitely one thing that I learned last year is to not take. I think we can all get sucked into taking a lot of things for granted. What are other things that you have learned personally from the pandemic? I'm right there with you with respect to not taking anything uh, for granted. And I would say the, probably the biggest thing I've learned in this marketplace is how, how awesome our customers are. And I have spent a lot of time on the phone and on Zoom with many CEOs and other leaders within our communities. And it's very inspirational how they have trudged on and what they have done and how they persevered. And um, frankly, how they have changed their approach, their rallying cries, what they're doing to survive. So yeah, that's probably been the biggest thing is how, how awesome our customers are. Speaking of rallying cry, that was actually your next question to the panel. Did they have either personally or something for their staff have the rallying cry? So let's take a listen to what was said. To be sure this has an impact on staff. And, and you know, from the outset, we knew that. And a, and a couple of a couple of things that I'll share. We we participated throughout the spring and into the summer. In, in a pulse survey offered by an organization called Leading Edge. And it really helped us measure exactly where people were. And, and it gave us some very clear anonymous information about mood, wants, needs, desires. And, and it really was helpful to us in being able to react. And then on the proactive side, it was all about communication. And while that may sound like a really weak understatement, but to be able to authentically talk to and listen to the staff in terms of how they're doing. We were asking an incredibly difficult thing. I think everybody, Ron, was asleep with you during the how do you handle a pandemic class. And we were all building the bridges we were going across it. And I think the sense of togetherness did help. The sense of benchmarks and accomplishments of first draft of the plan to reopen, first outreach of 
getting someone to register back for programming, ongoing communication with our families, with our seniors, with our members, all gave people a sense of purpose, and then encouraging staff to take time off. Even after we brought people back, and there may not have been anything to go, any place to go, excuse me, the, the need for respite was really important. And acknowledging that um, and providing for that was really important. We actually offered our team because we, people still had 2019 vacation days left that by our policy, they would have lost during the closure. And we allowed people to carry those over till the end of 2020, or we allowed them to buy them out or we bought them out. So it was just a way to also provide some extra income for some of our staff, because if they weren't going to be able to go away, they could buy out their 19 days and still have their 2020 days that they could use for that much needed respite. The, right, the rallying cry was really, we can do anything together and we can do anything in partnership. And I think I'll just preview when we talk about collaboration and partnership, it's so essential to use and work with other organizations to better yourself. We were very fortunate to get a grant from Pima Council on Aging. It kept our restaurant in business. We're serving still a thousand meals a week to apartment buildings that are operated by Catholic Community Services. So it's a three-way partnership and everyone was able to benefit. And when we think about working together, we're not giving up power, we're gaining strength. And this idea of us gaining strength together was really the way in which we've tried to um, approach everything that we've done. And it's not a moment in time. We need to continue to check in with our staff and community because there's not an, a, a defined end in sight. Yeah, that, that's, that's so, so strong. Todd, you said you do a thousand meals a week and distributing them to a... There are several different apartment complexes where we drop off lunch and dinner. And they're run by... Trying to become like our own DoorDash. And they're, um, and they're run by who? It, they're run by Catholic Community Services. And the partnership with your JCC and Catholic Community Services, I got to ask, where did that come from? That's awesome. Well, it came, it came through Pima Council on Aging, who had the contract to provide them meals and they needed a purveyor, and we we had a commercial kitchen yep. um, that was able to accommodate. So it's been a great three-way partnership, and, and we're grateful that it's continuing. And most mm -hmm. of all, at the end of the day, we're grateful that, that seniors that are living in these apartments are getting two meals a day, yep. uh, seven days a week. Ron, can you teach me that class now? How to, what was it, how to survive the a pandemic? I don't think I can because I never took it. I don't, I must, like I said, I must have been asleep or something. Yeah, it, man, oh man, it, it's someday we'll need to write a book because the bottom kind of dropped out immediately. And I, I led a company through the 08, 09 financial crisis. And that one just slowly deteriorated over the course of six, nine months. It took us about two years in the automotive sector. This one was days. And it was just amazing how from the middle of March right into April. And I think as I think about the conversation there in the panel, what we've realized here at Daxco is we did need a rallying cry. And in the last uh, month or two for 2021, we've centered on what we call Thrive Squared. 
And the concept is we at Daxco cannot thrive until our customers and our customers' members thrive. And it's easy, frankly, I think for all of us, if we're really honest, it's easy to look internally. Oh, we had a lot of layoffs. We've had to take pay cuts. We've had to cut investments. And when you focus on that stuff, it, it can be you know downright depressing. And if you focus on the puzzle pieces that are no longer there, it's easy to miss the puzzle pieces that are. And so what's really neat is our entire organization has shifted their focus to our customers and to our customers' members. And we've seen the hyper vigilance around getting software to market that we know is going to help our customers win members back, that we know is going to help our customers increase fundraising and increase donations. And so it's been awesome to watch the teams rally around Thrive Squared and become laser focused on helping our customers thrive. And as our customers thrive, we will thrive. Yeah, I think it's a really exciting time. Jumping into the next question that you you asked the panel, how are they dealing with balancing their online offerings, moving that forward? Obviously with the shutdown, it was just overnight. And for some, they may not have had an online anything. And obviously it became super critical. So let's hear in this case, I think from Curtis. So I have a different perspective on technology. With my team, I try to remind them that technology doesn't put people in community, right? And anytime we're using technology, it should only enhance our secret sauce, which is relationship. And essentially the J, the Y, when you boil it down, we are about relationships. So if we are expecting it to take the place of relationship, it's it's not going to work. Because that's, that's what people are really wanting. That's what makes people keep coming back. That's what helps them achieve their goals is because of those relationships they've made. A, a key thing for us is we wanted to have their instructor on there and not just their instructor for the class time, but their instructor after the class as well. And so they would spend 10, 15, 20, 30 minutes after the class, just talking with their class. And at a time when, you know, some of our members, some of the seniors, they, they were alone. They were living alone and they looked to forward two days a week, seeing that familiar face and uh, hearing his corny jokes and all of that stuff, because it just, it gave people that, a moment of, of hope of, we got this, we're going to make it through, we're here for each other. So we really tried to focus on how can we use this technology to enhance relationship building. I love Curtis's take on that because when you first asked the question to the panel, I was like, okay, here we go. Let's figure out how we can sign people up for a membership. And that's not at all his response. No, it wasn't. And being relationship first or mission first or purpose first, I think is really important part of the equation. And I do appreciate and, and agree with his perspective that the technology and the software are a means to an end. And we need to stay very true and focused on what that end is. One of the things I'm, I'm very proud of the, our team the last couple of years is investing a significant amount of time, money, and energy and resources 
to make the digital connection easier. We're standing up a number of tools to help people manage the prospect funnel, to use artificial intelligence to connect with people. We will soon be launching a, a new uh, platform in the whole digital world with the Houston YMCA, which I think is very exciting and next generation in order to really enable the connection with community. But at the end of the day, the technology is the means by which you're trying to achieve your purpose, your mission, the relationship. I think Curtis is, is dead on there. And I would say if we look at our Y's and J's the last 10 years, we've probably underinvested in these new tools and technologies. And I think we've been more comfortable kind of doing things the way we've always done them. When the reality is if you leverage some advanced technology, you can have people be many times more productive. I just, I think about even just the, the basic win back piece. Uh, I think about Teresa said donations. Number one, we've got to get money in the door. And one of the things I know the team has worked really hard is standing up a fundraising artificial intelligence assistant. You got to take advantage of these technologies because you don't have enough, we don't have enough people to make all the phone calls and send out the email. You just don't. And so you've got to leverage these tools and advanced technologies to build the bridge to be the means to the end of the relationship or the mission or the purpose. Let's jump into the last question. You asked the panel, will the future be worse, the same or better and why? I am blessed with being an eternal optimist and, and I believe that, that the future is actually going to be better. And I think it's going to be better because I think we realize how important community is to us. I think we realize how we can be dependent upon each other I think we've all discovered something about ourselves that we didn't know that will will help us advance our work and deepen our deepen our purpose. And I think that the future is going to be better because of all the things that we've been able to do. Where where the truth is, during this last eleven months, we could have all just mailed it in, and we didn't. We, we I think across the Y movement, across the J movement, everyone leaned in hard and said we've really got a mission and a purpose to serve. And we're going to do what we can to serve that in any way that we can until we can be back together the way that we want to. And that may be a blend of online and in person, but, but we're going to do it. And I think that as we look at what's happening now, we're, we're starting to see a community respond in more and with more and more depth. I think we're feeling a sense of optimism uh, in terms of what we're seeing in terms of day camp uh, registration, people are ready. They're looking beyond the spring semester into the summer. So I think we're going to be better because the situation will get better. And as a people, we recognize the interdependence that we can have on each other. Yeah, totally agree. Teresa, worse, same, better. Oh, better. Better for sure. <laughs> I'm with Todd. I don't know. Sometimes every now and then maybe you do need to reset to really evaluate and, and check your priorities. And I think this is what this has done. I think now we value some of our own family members better because we've had to spend so much time with them. Or we value some of our long distance friendships, friends that you lost in the past or, you know, that you've lost contact with in the past that you've reconnected with during this time. We value, I think, each other in the workplace because, you know, through this, you really see 
the staff that rise, right? That has the positive attitude, put me wherever you need me. Yeah, I'll clean toilets, I don't care. You see all of that in the people. And I think it's just inspiring. You appreciate your community. You appreciate the mom and pop stores that have been struggling that are still hanging on. And I think it's just the way that you just approach it it, it has to get better. I believe in the human spirit. I do. I believe that we are coming out of this and we want to be together. I will share this. It's interesting. So, you know, I've been working out of my garage. I still work out of my garage and I do less Mills. And so I'm part of the less Mills community. And somebody posed the question, when the gyms reopen, you got to understand this is like people from all over the world on this group chat. And uh, will you be going back? So many people said, absolutely. Love working out at home, love having this, but I will do both. I have to be back in my gym. And the number of people that kept saying they're going back to their facility, they're going back to the workout, they miss their friends. They have to have that human contact. It was just, it made me feel really good. I believe you've got to have that contact with each other. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I think there is a yearning. I'm not sure who shared this earlier. There's part of the human experience that we are drawn to be connected to each other. I've got a few people in my family. Maybe they were meant to live alone. No, I'm just kidding. Joke, little joke there. They could be watching. It's a joke. But no, I mean, for the vast majority, that's part of the human experience is sharing, learning, growing from each other. I think that you look at some of the conventional metrics of work at home kind of things have, have exploded. People have bought gear, all that kind of stuff. But you can only do so many push-ups and burpees in your garage and you want to go and have that. So yeah, I'm, I'm totally there with you. I think it's going to snap back really, really fast, really, really hard. If we've done all the things that the three of you have done about building those relationships and showing who we are showing up in this time of need where people are like, yeah, that's pretty cool. I want to be a part of that. Curtis, uh, Worse, the same, or better? And is there one or two things you could share with our audience about why you believe that, that they might be able to implement in their place? Yeah, I, I believe better. And I think it's better because this last year has taught us what we're really about, right? And we're really about relationship. That's, that's our secret sauce. Everything else is just the carrot to get people in community. And if we stay focused on that, realizing that just because we arrived now doesn't mean we're going to stay there, but we focus on building trust, building community, staying in relationship and being on mission. Yeah, I'm, I'm very excited about the future. I believe uh, we have a new foundation laid. All right, Ron, your turn. Will the future be worse, the same or better? The future is definitely going to be better, I believe, in these relational organizations that we serve. And I believe that people feel really good about being a part of them and it's fulfilling a, a core human need. So I think people are going to come back quicker than what we suspected. One of my mentors years ago said the good habits that we have are formed in bad times. And so we've all had to get, you know, leaner and meaner and smarter and faster. And so as things return back to normal, we should actually be providing a better experience for our members. And I know our technology, the services and solutions that we were offering, and you just go back a year or even two years when we launched the Mission Acceleration Suite, we've added a ton of stuff. 
So we have a fundamentally better solution set, having integrated all of the digital, the websites, the marketing, the CRM, the prospect funnel, all of these things working together is going to give organizations a competitive advantage. And they're going to be fundamentally better than they were before. Yeah, I think it's going to be better. And I'm really excited about the future. Do you have any final words for those listening as they've still trying to navigate into thrive, right? Into the thrive phase. If you wait until better arrives, you'll miss the moment. And what I mean by that is if you think about your marketing efforts, your outreach, whether it's trying to win back your members who you've lost, whether it's trying to get members to switch from on hold to active, whether it's what we're doing from donations, all of those things, If you wait to put in the proper practices, tools, and processes until things are better, you'll miss the window of opportunity. And it's really critical that as we are moving to better and we're seeing things return, we're seeing revenues increase, we got to be thinking about, okay, how do we maximize and increase that? Because these recoveries tend to happen exponentially, not linearly, and those who are waiting, a lot of stuff is going to pass them by. So my encouragement to people is don't go rebuild what you had before, create something better. John, thank you so much for your leadership leading into Thrive. Really appreciate it. My pleasure and looking forward to a brighter tomorrow. Thanks for listening to this Accelerant bonus episode. Tune in next week for our regularly scheduled interviews with leaders across the country. Accelerant Podcast is a product of Daxco, serving the health and wellness community for over 20 years with comprehensive technology solutions to over 17 million members worldwide. Learn more at daxco.com. That's D-A-X-K-O.com. Accelerant is produced by Christy Brown, Sean Ellis Hussey, and me, Saranda West. Sound and editing by Sean Ellis Hussey. Visual design by Jenny Miller.